Welcome to episode six of the Industry is Watching podcast. Today's episode is titled Black in Fashion and it features Lenise Collier. Lenise is a fashion entrepreneur and she can help transform your fashion dreams into reality. I always say, you're only one phone call, one email, one meeting, one introduction, one contact, one project, one idea, one post, one tweet, one like from changing your life. My name is Demarius, also known as Champ Media, and this is The Industry Is Watching Podcast. The industry is watching, they lurking, they looking, they loving, they hating, they waiting, they plotting. The industry is watching, they lurking, they looking, they loving, they hating, they waiting, they plotting. I feel like you're the epitome of the industry is watching because you're just really motivating and inspiring and in, in what you do and everything. So thank you. you know, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you for coming you. to support the that movement. That always makes me blush. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so Lenise, like, I'm going to just get right into it. Are, do you consider yourself to be an insider or an underdog? Uh, I think I'm the plug. So I'm like right in between a, like an underdog and an insider. Um, I guess the best way that I would describe that is that I'm in my transitional phase right. where like I felt like I was quite the underdog for a long time and I can just see the growth just like coming to fruition like every day. Right. Um, and as far as being industry, and like being like an insider, like within the industry, yeah, because I know I, I, I'm the plug. I know everybody. <laughs> I know how to get shit done. Oh, can I curse? You can, can curse. You can oh, definitely okay. curse on here. I'm like, I know how to get stuff done. So I definitely think that, um, yeah, I'm in the transition and I'm both. I'm the plug. I love that <laughs> answer right there. Like, you know, that's what the industry is watching is about is, you know, supporting that underdog, but also like a lot of us are in transition mm -hmm. as well, you know, so I love your answer right there, you know, the underdog to the insider. So Lenise, you have black and fashion is what I'm titling this episode. <laughs> you you have a lot of things going on and like you're really like uplifting and supporting people within the industry, the underdogs and the insiders, yeah, you absolutely. know. And like I said, you you're into product development into fashion consulting education and mentoring you know so tell the people like in your own words like what is it that you do i'm your fashion fairy godmother <laughs> <laughs> um and i say that to say i um i bring dreams to life um if that makes sense i bring them to life in the form of education in the form of consulting um my focus definitely is within um the upbring not the upbringing but like the rise of black fashion okay. um, whether that be designers merchandisers buyers stylists um i uh, specifically work with designers and people that have a vision i mostly say that i work with creators because it could be design it could be fashion but it also could be accessories it could be different things um it could be someone who wants to create like their own textiles or their own fabrics and stuff so basically what i do is you you come to me with your ideas and you know I take something that is two-dimensional and I make it in the three-dimensional form. Um, I definitely have a big tech background when it comes to design, so right. I know how to construct some shit. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting, like turning visions into reality, especially on like the, the fashion industry, because let me ask you this, is it hard to get into the fashion industry? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think that if you're trying to get into the fashion industry is very, very hard as a designer. Okay. 
if you are trying to get in the fashion industry as anything else, it's a, I would say it's a little bit easier. Design is very hard, I guess, to get into from a money standpoint because it's very, very expensive to create a clothing line and to stay consistent and release collections and stay on the fashion calendar. Right. And it's also um, hard, I think, just to even get a fashion design job. So not only like the entrepreneurship road of it, but actually okay. like trying to get like, let's say you just starting out, even trying to get a design internship is very very difficult because it's so many people and then if you're not necessarily someone who went to let's say a very well-known fashion school like a fit or a parsons or like saint martin's over in paris like a lot of companies are looking at you like sideways like oh well you where'd you go you went to school in atlanta for design like you right. get you know you might get a, a certain look or you want you got you got your degree in chicago for design like it's very very competitive in that aspect if they don't necessarily recognize the school the educational standpoint of it and a lot of times in this industry and what i come to know is who you know not always what you know right right but i feel like full circle you are you're putting all of those elements together yeah. from the design to like you're you're giving like the education so you know like full circle like the the all facets of like the fashion industry and that's a little bit about what you're doing like with your consulting business is you're helping those young designers or even people who are you know already have their foot in the door you're helping them like really pull level up yeah pull that turn that vision into reality so yeah. talk about how you really help with all of those moving parts Gotcha. So what I do is if you're starting from scratch, what I do is you book either a design development session with me or you book like a design consultation. And what happens in like these consultations and like these sessions is sessions is if you don't have anything like you literally is appear in your head and you're trying to figure out I got a vision, but I don't know how to bring it to life. Right. I sketch for you. I walk you through fabrics. I create a cohesive collection for you based off of all of the image and thoughts that are in your head. Um, you know, you can explain it to me because I am very visual. You can talk, you can describe something to me and I'll know what you're talking about if you don't have a picture. Like you could just, you know, I have people like, you know, I want it to be like this and I know what they mean. Like, I'm like, okay, you want a boat deck? Like, you know what I mean? So, um, and then like when people do come and they draw and I just break down the process because a lot of times people think, oh, she's a manufacturer. She makes all these clothing and they completely forget about the product development piece. Right. I cannot manufacture something if I don't have anything to work with. A manufacturer is working off of a, a pattern. They're working off of a sample. They're working off of a fabric that you supply them with. I can't manufacture something without developing it first. So I really try to make sure I push the education when it comes to product development. There needs to be a product to right. do with manufacturing. So in my work, I am basically connecting what your vision is to a target consumer so let's say you are a designer and you're making something for women that you know are a little bit more curvy when we go through the pattern making process and when i say pattern making think architecture think blueprint a pattern is a blueprint of clothing so you can't just start cutting into fabric you have to have a blueprint of the design where the shoulder meets the armhole where the shoulder meets the neckline where the side seam meets into the waist where the waist meets into the hip all of that is measurement and math that is geometry and anatomy combined so with geometry and anatomy combined you have to figure out how those shapes work onto a human body and you have to put that in a flat version on a piece of paper that is all measurements and shapes and then you cut out a garment and fabric and that is what my i specialize in i specialize in pattern making and creating that perfect silhouette if she's curvy that waist to hip ratio is going to be completely different but it has to be able to be smoothed out and it has to work so that that woman has the perfect fit that waist to hip like the 
underarm to torso ratio is going to be different for a woman that is 5'7 versus a woman that is 5'3. That's why you really got to know who your target customer is. Because right. when I make my blueprint, I'm making it for that woman for the customer. or that man, that, you know, whoever that, that person is. Wow. You just made. <laughs> I just thought about Lubusi when you was giving that shoulders, chest, pants, <laughs> shoes. <laughs> like how it all connects, though. You it know? all connects. And right. I really think it's it's you know people need somebody like you who know, who can you know like a guru of sorts who can give people that information because a lot of times people are trying to get into fashion and they don't know all of these elements. Like right. this is it's education for me because you know like how the neck meets the arm piece and all of those things that go into people. Just like sometimes people have like an idea mm-hmm. and they don't really know how to execute it and that's what you do you give like you know functionality yeah how to make it functional like because up here it might not be like up here it might be a design but is it functional how a lot of times i see a sketch i'm like how do i put it on right how am i getting into it especially if it's a high neck that can't fit over my head my exactly. head and think about how big my head is compared to where my <laughs> neck is how does that work you right, know right. like again i don't want no zipper and i don't want no buttons how am i supposed to put it on Easy. it ain't stretchy either oh it's a woven so i mean i can't I can't put it over my head. So what you want me to do with that? So it gets people to thinking right. and understanding like, oh, oh, that's right. You couldn't put it on without that. Like it has to have an opening. It has to have a closure. Like, exactly. and, and those are like the, the small details that when you're designing, that's not what comes to your head, how functional it is. What comes to your head is that it's pretty. Right, right. <laughs> So if you're just joining us, this is the Industry is Watching podcast. I'm your host, Demarius, also known as Champ Media. And we're here with Lenise. Lenise has given us insight and background into the fashion industry. She has her own fashion like empire that she's building right now. She's a consultant. She's a product developer. And she's also like really taking people under her wing and giving them, you know, that knowledge as well. Lenise, like, tell us a little bit about like how you got started in fashion. Okay, so I, I actually learned how to sew as a little girl um, from my grandmother. Um, we would sew together. Um, at first, she wouldn't let me touch that damn machine. She was like, "Stay away from it." Um, just watch. Yeah, but then she got the. She finally, I, I guess, I asked too much, and then she eventually was just like, "I, right, I'm gonna show you how to do it." And I fell in love with it at that point. What was um, the, What was the first thing that you made on the sewing machine? <laughs> Some socks. <laughs> first well first of all she wouldn't let me sew fabric at first she made me sew on paper she was go get the computer paper from my little old old macintosh and she would make me sew straight lines on the paper she okay. wouldn't even let me touch fabric and i'm like okay i'm tired of sewing these straight lines on this paper now lady when can i get some fabric and then she found something and then she made me make a sock <laughs> she right. made a crochet socks for everybody for christmas because she don't like buying gifts you was telling me one time before <laughs> that you had your own little business when you were in elementary I did. school so by the time i got to uh, something like six seven by the time i got to seventh grade i had a pillow business like a lucrative like i was making a little money and i thought i was doing some shit so i did custom pillows and i would say like my peak times was father's day and mother's day like okay. those was like peak times people was getting stuff for their grandmothers grandfathers mothers sisters and i would do custom and it would say you know happy mother's day or if they wanted like a special quote if they wanted their name on there um i had pretty i have pretty nice handwriting so i would do it in like calligraphy and like this gold stick glitter thing that wouldn't come off it was what it was washable so i could actually write it or i could do like the embroidery and do the stitching in so that was what i did i did good i did that all the way through high school so you've been like the young entrepreneur from young yeah. you know and finding your way in and moving into this fashion business you went to school for this as yeah, well. Yeah, so after high school, um, I, of course, I went away to college like everybody. I wanted to get that college experience, so I initially applied to two schools, NIU and SIU. SIU had a fashion design program. Grades were slipping, 
Shorty was like fighting and getting into shit like junior year and stuff like that. So the grades and that, what's that stupid test we got to take? The ACT, it wasn't there. So SIU didn't accept me. But NIU had a program called the um, Second Chance Program. So they took people with like a lower ACT score and lower GPA. So they let me in. But they didn't have fashion design. They had fashion merchandising. So I was like, eh, I don't really want to do fucking merchandising. But whatever. I just want to get the college experience. Went to Northern Illinois University in the middle of the cornfields, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I did it. And I hated it. I didn't I didn't like the dorm experience. I didn't like okay. the roommate they paired me with. Then I left <laughs> it. I went down the hall to another girl. I couldn't stand her ass neither. Like, it just was not working for me. Um so I was like, you know what, I'm about to go to Columbia. But however, while I was there, they had an organization that was called PPMO, Present Perfect Modeling Organization. And I'm like, ooh, I took everything with me to, to Northern. So I had my sewing machine, I had fabrics up there, I had shit. So I was just like, ooh, I can make some stuff for they show. And I actually, you know, I went to like one of their little meeting things to do and they was like, oh, it don't work like that. Like you gotta be in the organization in order for you to make the clothes. You joined the organization. Yeah, so I had to learn how to fucking model and I did not want to do that stuff. So I did the tryouts. They had like three days of like intense training and then you could try out and if you made it, you made it. So I did those three days and I was in there and I was, Flipping my hair, I learned how to do a fake and flare, a, a, a twist, <laughs> a, all these different turns and twists and all this other stuff. So I got in the first show, you know, I did the show and the second show, I made damn near everything. I was able to make everything for the show and that's really what I wanted to do. Um, left there, I think I left NIU with a bang. Left, went to Columbia, studied uh, fashion design. Um, the program that I was in was in the art and design department. So it was really heavy on, you know, art history and three-dimensional right. photography, um, printing, um, painting, like theories and painting, all this different stuff um, that would just help you be an overall better artist. So I did my program. I got, instead of doing the BA route, I get in that I did the BFA so I took away more art and design classes okay. and more fashion classes so that I would have a little higher up on the degree and more in the fine arts let me ask you this as it relates to like education and like tapping into the fashion industry is the education needed or what would what would advice you would give for people who are trying to you know tap into the game who are you know struggling? education is needed university education is not needed but education is needed so you do not have to go to a four-year college you don't have to go to a two-year college you don't you can learn on your own but education as a whole right. is absolutely needed but the way you get it does not matter you can be on youtube university wow <laughs> and yep. it'd be perfectly fine but you do need to know what it is that you're doing and how to finish things and how to correct things and to put garments together that you do need to right. know and it sounds like you you need to know what you want to do like your, your mm -hmm. story is like you knew that you wanted to be in this fashion world and so it, you know everywhere that you went you found you know one door opened up another door exactly. and sparked another idea and i think that's really what it's all about really finding yourself and stick sticking staying true to who yourself you and your and who and what you want to do lenise let me ask you um i'm going to switch gears a little bit so the next segment of the show is the industry is watching confessional booth and so the confessional booth is it's an opportunity for you to give a confessional or a testimony about something that you went through okay. you know and and aim to help somebody else who may be going through the same thing so what's something that you're comfortable with sharing that you've been through as far as this industry and work and how you overcame that 
Okay, so for me, um, like most designers, when we first start designing, we just want to get our name out there. So we do custom. We do a lot of custom work. Um, we prom don't dresses, prom wedding dresses, dresses, bridal, uh, baby shower, and okay. birthday. Those are the four things. And you know what comes with that is someone's you know very special occasion. Those are all special occasion right. uh, things. So um, a lot of times, what happens is as the as a designer first coming out, you allow the person that's coming in to tell you how to design. So a lot of times they'll give you a picture or a reference or something that they've seen on social media or on a celebrity and they you won't want you to recreate that. And we go for it and we do it because of the money, but however, we are not in control of how it comes out nor if the body type of that person actually works. So for me, I made a, a, a bridal dress for a client back in Chicago. And I had already moved here at this point too. I had moved to New York at this time. So I had traveled back and forth to Chicago maybe three or four times to do the fitness not charging this lady for my flights and my travel either um the dress did not come out the way that she wanted it and she sued me um her mistake was that you know at the time I was already incorporated and she had signed a contract with my brand which was Kali Avatine she sued me Lenise Griffin which is not the person who made her dress so she took it very far she got me served at my job meaning she went on my LinkedIn found my job found that you know it's like she went the extra mile and people do do that she went the extra mile to make sure that she could she even went as far as to like almost trying to like garnish my wages but luckily for me like the, that job that I was when I made her dress I was on a different job than where I ended up at which would worked out in my favor so when I made her dress I worked for one company and I was regular W4 I9 employee, but I had left that company and started working for a company pretty much as a consultant because I just thought it was a better opportunity. And even though it was a nine to five job, I was on a 1099. So there was no way for her to actually garnish my wages. And then she took it a step further and Judge Judy reached out to me. I'm not getting on Judge Judy. And they're like, oh, hold we on. They, they offered you a chance to come in yeah, and dispute this thing. I'm not going on Judge, Judge Judy. Judge, like, they called, they first, they sent the paperwork first and then they sent it to my job because, of course, she didn't know where I lived because I was traveling to her to do her fittings okay. and stuff. So, sent the paperwork to my job. I looked at that shit and I threw it away. I'm not going on Judge Judy. You must be crazy. So, but it was like, you know, we paid the debt for you. I don't owe her nothing. So, I wasn't really concerned about paying the debt because, like, I pay for my travel expenses. I have pictures. I have notes. I have finished. I have everything from start to finish of creating this garment. So I guess that would be like my piece of advice is to make sure you've got a contract. Make sure you take pictures. Make sure you have your notes from the fittings because that damn dress fit and was fine. And every damn fitting so up into the last space. What was her issue with the dress? She didn't like the way it fit. But she, we had three fittings. And she... It was fine at every fitting. So she signed off on every fitting. On every and fitting. she was good. And then last minute, she just didn't like yeah. the fit. I felt like I had spent too much on that damn wedding. And she was trying to recoup some funds. But you ain't going to recoup them over here. I didn't even charge her much, that much to begin with. like, And definitely didn't charge her for my travel. So, so you said something really important is getting contracts mm -hmm. having you know agreements in place and and documentation you know as as creators especially young creators absolutely a lot of times we want to just jump out there jump out of the window and just work on something but you know it's really important to have that agenda mm -hmm. the budget the contract you know those things absolutely. in place so that in any event and it sounds like you had your shit together yeah i had my shit together but it was it was stressful as a whole though because it wasn't just her like it was like a, I feel like that was just like a wave that year of just like people just not being satisfied with my work or I just feel like I got tore down a lot and that was the last time I made clothing like okay. I mean made custom clothing I got tore down so much that year it was like I didn't like the way this came out I don't like this and it's like yo I'm trying my best 
I'm trying to make it. I had a small ass apartment in Harlem. I was working at a job where I was a production assistant. I wasn't making that much money. By the time she sued me, I was at a different place. But when I started, like okay. in the midst when everything was going on, I was like, I was tired as hell. I just was trying to make enough money to pay my damn bills because I refused to go back home. I'm not going back to Chicago. I came here for a reason. And I just moved into that apartment coming out of a bad situation with a boyfriend that I met here that, you know, I allowed him to like tell me like, oh yeah, come move in with me. I'm gonna let you focus on like your business and stuff like that. And don't worry about it. Just finish up school. Cause I was, I came here to get my master's, finish school, work on your business. And I got there and he treated me like trash, like, like trash. And I, and I sat in that space for quite some time because I didn't have a job and I was trying to focus on my brand and I'm trying to get people out here in New York to want to want me to make their stuff. Trying to network and Trying make to it network. Happen. So for me, it was just like, damn, now I don't have a job. I don't have nowhere to live. I gave up my apartment to move in with him because I quit my job. I had got me an apartment here in Brooklyn when I first started. And I mean, I moved to by myself. I ain't no shit. Ended up in a bad neighborhood. Got robbed. People like... Um, I got robbed twice. And then I started seeing rats and mice. I'm just not used to that type of stuff. So it all around just moving here in general was just a bad experience in the beginning. And then I couldn't get a job in corporate fashion. I can only get a job working in a retail store because that's what my background was. I had been in retail management. So when all this was going on, that was literally, to me, my first apartment. And I had just got a job in my career field okay. so I didn't want to leave my job but I also wanted to design clothing so in the midst of this Wayne's trying to sue me <laughs> um, in the midst I haven't of, heard that in a minute yeah I'm like she trying to sue me you got other people telling me that my work was not good enough I was at a standstill as a designer and it broke me to, it broke me down and um, I also had like friends that I'm no longer friends with I had a dog too that a, a new client had given to me and I had to stay a couple extra days in Chicago to try to figure out the situation with this dress or whatever. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, I wanna, cause when she told me that she was gonna go through it, I was trying to talk to her and figure out stuff like that. And also trying to work around these seven other dresses of women here, plus all these dresses I gotta do back in New York. I um, had two friends that live in the building with me. I asked them, could they go check on my dog, feed her, walk her and stuff like that. They told me, of course, they got her. I came back home, I only spent an extra two days there. I came back home, her boat was empty. It was like a whole bunch of just like, shit all around the house because they hadn't walked her they hadn't took her out and I just I, I started crying I'm just like yo I'm tired I'm exhausted they didn't fucking starve my dog she ain't been outside in days she ain't ate in days and it just it took me to a place where I'm just like you gotta slow down you're doing too much you gotta slow down right. like it, it made me like really emotional and I'm just like these people are telling me that I'm not I'm not I'm not good enough or I'm not right or I can't sew and I'm like yo I've been sewing for years so it just took me to a place where I'm like I can't do this shit no more. I need to focus on my job, focus on excelling in my job so I can make more money so that way I don't have to do this shit. And that's where it took me to. And I was just like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm not doing this no more. And then I was still at a space where I'm just like, do you even want to be a designer? Like, is that what you really, really want to do? And I took a step back. And then I started teaching. Wow. Yeah. Lenise, thank you for sharing that, man. And thank you for getting vulnerable you know, with us, because I'm I'm sitting here feeling like the the passion in your voice, you know, and and you telling this story, man, and and that's what it really about. Like all the things that you've gone through and you've went through, yeah. you still stayed, you know, 
adamant about you know making it happen yeah pulling putting yourself back together after being broken down and that's what we you know that's what this platform is about man like you know i i have struggles as well and i talk about them and we need this space yeah. to really talk about and get these things out man you know um you think you're very talented i've seen some of your work as thank well you. and you know you're giving back in another way so you know thank you for for sharing that and and the prayer the meditation and the mantras you know like they it, help because <laughs> you if you allow people to try to tell you that you're not enough you might actually start believing that mm -hmm. shit mm -hmm. you might actually start believing it and then when you don't set any boundaries or set any schedules and like be okay with saying no to people there are i can i know when i initially work with a client where there's going to be a good experience or a bad it's the experience. Energy you get, yeah. Right? And you, it's all energy. And I can choose to ignore that and say, hey, I'm going to work with this person anyway. Or I can go ahead and just be like, you know what? I don't think I'm the right fit for you. I do have another person that I can recommend you to. Mm -hmm. And ain't nothing wrong with saying that. If yeah. I don't feel like it's going to be a good space for me to be in, I'm not going to work with you. To me, ain't no dollar sign attached to my peace of mind. Right. Right. I tell people that all the time. There's no amount of money. There's no title. There's nothing. Where, mm -hmm. If I'm not happy, then that shit doesn't mean anything because I've had the salary. I've had the job title and the shit. And I've been unhappy mm -hmm. with that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, you, I, I was watching one of your previous episodes and you said something about labels don't necessarily equal fashion. Because I feel like Correct. a lot of time people feel like they, they got the red bottoms or the Gucci and things like that. <laughs> that they, they high fashion. Like, nah elaborate on that when i say that labels don't mean fashion i say people like labels and most people like labels they don't like fashion okay you like you the said. name you like the name and you like the price point attached to it but you don't like fashion because if you liked fashion there's nothing innovative about some of these big brand companies there is nothing but polyester and made in china why in the hell are you spending all this money on that just to say that you have it that's the name yeah because it ain't nothing special about it when you could get something from a designer or a black designer that uh, not to say it's cheaper but the same price point that actually was made in the U.S. with actual natural fibers, and your ass is gonna pay for something from Gucci mm -hmm. that is fucking polyester, and it is two grand. What sense does that make? Right. So that's what I'm. What I what's what I mean when I say that because to me, fashion is innovative. Fashion is creative. Fast. That's fashion. Like putting on a garment and just being like, look at the. Look, it's like looking at a damn building. Looking at the construction of it. Like yo. Mm -hmm the fabrication that they decided to use versus the construction of it that is art that is fashion right. fashion is art you throwing your damn gucci across a polo is not fashion to me <laughs> and right. i use gucci as an example because they put the damn black face on the shirt and i don't fuck with them so i'm just like i don't, I don't mess with them at all because to me it's just like it's a no it's a no for me anybody who put black face like that that means you want to grab the african-american and the urban consumer but you ain't willing to do the research and the history the background and making sure that it's effective on that end right that lacks education that lacks knowledge i granted they apologized they threw dapper dan on there but dapper dan that's hush nigga money i don't respect him either wow you know <laughs> what as far as the industry is watching like it's almost people's like what is the industry watching it's it's multifaceted in a sense of it's almost like a shot at the industry for real because the industry like when i was growing up we had like magazines and music videos to look to for influence and mm -hmm. fashion and things like that now fast forward 20 years with social media the internet a lot of these big brands these 
big fashion houses, entertainment companies, they're using social media and they're ripping off like the independent people who just who just are talented, just mm-hmm. talent. Absolutely. And, and 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 you know, they they are looking to them and like, oh, that's what they're doing now. So mm-hmm. let's put some money behind it. Yep. And they're not giving them credit and they're just ripping people off, you know. So yep. it's kinda that's kinda exactly. really what but that means. And then from a consumer standpoint and from a, a person that's purchasing these items standpoint, you have to have, not to say you have to, but you gotta be knowledgeable too about where you're putting your money at. I know for, I know plenty of um, designs that Fashion Nova has ripped off from black designers and it's cheaper, you know, and I could buy it from there, but why the fuck would I? So like you as a consumer, if you're okay with them ripping off someone else and you going to purchase it, what does that say about you? I'm gonna get it from the source. I don't give a damn how cheap cheaper it was. Mm-hmm. It's in a cheaper quality. It's it's, it's, it's copied it's, it's like why would I go and buy it from there so part of the problem to me is the people that are actually going out there and buying the knockoff shit why right let me let me ask you this with that said you just um, can you copyright or you couldn't trademark it but is there a way to protect your idea as Not a really. designer no the thing with design is you cannot copyright a silhouette you can't copyright a fabric because if the fabric is available in the mill and in the market, anybody can buy it. The only way you could copyright something is if you yourself created. If I actually created the mini skirt, I could probably. Copyright. It'd be like a patent. Then, it would right? be like a patent, right. but there's no patent on any design silhouettes. The only thing you could put a, a trademark or a copyright on is something you created. So if I designed my own fabric, like you know how like Gucci and all these brands, they have all the fabrics with their logos all right, over right. it. If I had something like that with all my logos on it, yes, you can trademark that and copyright that. So when people go and steal the Chanel and the Gucci's and you see like the people that's even right now people making masks with that shit that ain't real Gucci fabric or real mm-hmm. that's trademark infringement right. and Gucci has the right to send them cease and, let, cease and assist letters for that and Chanel does Gucci don't necessarily do it because they're like whatever we make so much money somebody knock us off who, who gives a damn mm-hmm. you know but then you have other companies that do send cease and, cease and assist letters so you can't trademark or copyright silhouettes but you can do it when it comes to like logos and branding stuff like that like you can't do it with a color prime example freaking um christian louis baton tried to sue ysl tell you why this shit didn't work ysl had a shoe that had a red sole but it wasn't just a red sole the entire shoe was red they had a tire shoe that was purple they had a tire shoe was blue christian louis baton sued ysl to let them know that they could not use red bottom in that placement on the shoe mm. you can't trademark a color neither wow so that they lost okay that's interesting. Yeah. So like, and then they tried to sue them again. Tried to add other people who wanted to trademark colors onto the lawsuit, i.e., Tiffany Blue. Tried to sign on to it, like saying that you can't use that blue. It's blue. You can use it. So you know, they put all this money out there and they try, but it's really no way to do it. Which is why they lost the lawsuit. Like they didn't win. But it's that's more that gets into like brand recognition mm-hmm. when you talk about the colors and things like that. So how how would you what advice would you give to somebody to protect? Protect their idea. You, if you come up with a silhouette that's different, you need to get a patent on your intellectual property, meaning your pattern. So that blueprint, you can get a patent on that. Um, when it comes to trademarks stuff like that, you could do that with your logos or any design figure. So if you come up with a t-shirt design where it's any type of graphics, so any type of graphics, wording, slogans, like black in fashion is trademark. That's mine. It's black letter in. That's mine. Mm-hmm. And it, it and you, your trademark process is a very long process. It takes anyway True. up until a year or even more. And it has to be something that is not within the industry that you're in. So I would say when it comes to trademarking, just do like your graphics 
your logos and if you really do come up with a silhouette or something that is completely different then yeah I have a guy he's already on it so you can't steal it he's doing reusable sweat pads for dudes and we do it in a neoprene scuba he didn't already trademarked it already because that's never been done before they are usually reusable ones that you just buy in the store so if you come up with something like that where you're using a certain fabric to create a certain silhouette hurry up and get it done let somebody else take it thank you for sharing that lanice like you you have so much information and part of your business is you give these tours talk a little bit about that so i do nyc garment district tours and i do them the first friday of every month um, i do not take more than 15 people at a time because it's still supposed to be a very intimate setting and you're supposed to learn a lot so on the tour you pretty much learn to do everything that i do like as far as like the product development and the production i take you to people who do pretty much do the same things that i do so you have several options we go to pattern makers we go to graders we go to places where you can create your own fabric get your own custom buttons zippers um man Manufacturers that do cut and sew, manufacturers that specialize in swimwear, outerwear, leather, you name it. And everyone that I go to on my tours, they have no order minimum. So if you wanted to make one piece, that's fine. Or if you want to make 500 pieces, that's fine. So I also created a manual that comes with that tour that has multiple templates in it um, on how to use them with some of these different vendors and manufacturers, cool. as well as um, it has an order of operations sheets in there too. What things need to be happening simultaneously and what steps need to come before or after the others. That's what's up, yo. Tell people where they can find information about your, your pod, your, not your podcast, I haven't even mentioned that mm -hmm. yet. So, Lenise, tell people where they can find information about your business. So, ALC underscore apparel consulting on Instagram. The tours are always in the bio because I have it every month. So, whatever tour is current is currently in that bio. And it takes you a link directly to Eventbrite. You purchase your tickets on Eventbrite. Um, I'm in the process right now of getting my website going. It will be ready May 8th. That is the website drop date. So, mark your calendars. And it will be just LaniceCollier.com. So, it'll have all everything I do under one umbrella on that one website. Again, thank you for sharing, you know, um, Thank you for sharing yeah, this information because a lot of people could use these resources. A lot of times, again, like trying to tap into this industry and don't know, you know, what happens behind the scenes. And it looks like you got a, a guide, you know, literally a guide and a tour to you really do. show people the ins and outs of this industry. So, Lenise, before we close, let me ask you about this. So what's the a lot of people say, oh, this person is a designer. I'm a designer. I'm a stylist. Like, what's the difference between the two? It's very simple. A designer creates a stylist picks the creation. That's the difference. A stylist is not creating anything from scratch. They are going and they are, I was classified stylists as visionaries. I classify okay. designers as creators. We are creating something from scratch, whereas a visionary is pulling different pieces from different- Putting them together. Pulling it together to create one visual piece. Okay. So that's the difference. Like stylists are not ones that are drawing they don't know nothing about pattern making they don't know nothing about sample making sometimes stylists do branch out and you know decide to pick up design or sometimes designers decide decide that they don't want to design them more and they roll into the stylist role so i do think that the two intertwine a lot but the the way they function is completely different yeah 
All right. I think oh, yeah. we've covered everything, Lanice. You definitely have the ba- a lot of a, a pool of information, man. And I, I really can appreciate what you're doing. It's like you, you know, you're giving back. You're also building your brand, but you're giving back to, you mm-hmm. know, future creatives yes. and designers and stylists and things and showing them from A to Z, like how to really get their thing off the ground. Yeah. I just started a non-for-profit as well. I, I used to, not used to, I've been doing these brunches that call the Black Girls Designer Club brunches. I Sometimes I do them. I've done them at Soko. I've done them at Hotel Chantel on the Lower East Side. The last one I did in my backyard just welcomed a, a group of women into my home and I barbecued and that way no one would have to pay for anything and I turned that organization into a not-for-profit where we actually provide resources, mentorship, and like funding for young girls um, that are interested in pursuing like a career in fashion. So... I just want to make sure I'm giving back and I have an array of black designers that I work with that are on my e-board that provide mentorship for them as well. Lenise, you have a podcast as well. I do. Black in fashion. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so is it is it funny for you coming to be on a podcast? Um, I'm used to the one asking all the questions. So right. when people ask me questions, it's it's fun. I like it. It's it's enjoyable. I get a chance to talk about what I do in the reverse of like you know right, putting right. someone else's stuff out there. And um, yeah, my podcast is really an extension of LC at Pearl Consults, and I drop a lot of knowledge there. Um, I have a lot of educational episodes, but I also bring in a lot of different industry insiders and underdogs. Right, right, right. Um, and they talk about their experiences. They talk about their success stories, their struggle, but they all are for the most part they're usually black women I've had black men here and there but the bulk of them are black women that are stylists influencers merchandisers a lot of them are designers and some are very very successful some are on the come up so I just do like an array of different type of people and you know I hope that you know someone else can be inspired by some of their stories and you know you know keep lifting one another up right and that's what it's about man you heard it here first this is the industry is watching podcast Lenise, thank you for this information we hope hopefully that we were able to help somebody today and give them some information about fashion about fabrics about the whole background i'm gonna come on one of your tours i think it'd be yes, interesting i think you should so. you come record <laughs> <laughs> i'm like come get some video for I'll me definitely <laughs> come and check that out i think it'll really be interesting just to learn you know the the background of the fashion industry so again um check us out you know we're here to inform influence and inspire you know the underdogs and the insiders of the industry and right now the industry is watching Lenise Consulting and Black in Fashion yeah hashtag my hashtag educate and create educate and create all right and we're out all right thank you Lenise they lurking they looking they love it they hate it they waiting they plot the industry is watching they lurking they looking they love it they hate it they waiting they plot the industry